welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it four episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we started a new K-drama. We watched the first four episodes of Mystic Pop-Up Bar. Oh my god! It's really good. good. Oh my gosh. This one was recommended to us by a couple people on Twitter. And we get it. We know why you guys like it. Yeah, thank you so much for recommending it. It is so good. Yeah. Um, both of the uh, tweeters, the Twitterers, uh, that <laughs> recommended it kind of said it had some Hotel de Luna vibes, and I totally get what they mean. I, okay, controversial opinion to say on the first four episodes, I'm kind of <laughs> liking... A lot of the characters in this one more than the ones in Hotel de Luna. Me too! I'm right there with you! Not, yeah, that doesn't, like, lower Hotel de Luna at all. It was still amazing. Yeah, and they're different enough. It's not like they're the same show, but I understand the vibe. But also, Mm -hmm. like, what has really hooked me with this one is the characters. I love them. Yeah! And I feel like... Maybe this is driven by, I saw a Twitter question this weekend, which is, what are your favorite found families in K-dramas? And so many people said Mystic Pop-Up Bar. So, of course, I was looking for that. I was primed for it. And I was like, I get it. I see that 100%. And I don't feel like that was as deep in Hotel de Luna. It was there. Yeah. But this one's it. It's immediate. Like, we feel this found family in episodes one through four. Yeah, right away. I There's a couple characters that I feel like um, immediately, because of who they are, I feel like I feel like they were set up for the found family. It's the perfect situ- situation. Wow. Situation. Okay. <laughs> All right. With the words. <laughs> you got there. I got there. Took some time, took some work, but like every person who knows how to use language, we got there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, so the lead I'm really excited to talk about because the only other thing I have ever seen him in is Goblin. And it's just so good to have our boy Dacqua back. Oh, welcome back, bud. Yeah, we missed you. You're so good. You're so good and so cute. Look at your face. I love it. Oh my gosh. Yeah, also he's so lovable in this. Like, he's just such a, like, sweet boy. Running Uh around. Trying to do his best. Just casually dropping that he's an orphan and nobody loves him. Oh my god, okay. (laughs) What? That was so well delivered, too, because, you know, I feel like we've all come to expect that someone's probably an orphan in K dramas. Um, it's it's kind of uh, is it too off color to call it classic classic K drama? Make them an orphan? I don't know. I I just guess that they're exceptional people and they grow into be the main characters of every storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that thing where when you have a hard life, you uh. 
you know you you're the main, your own way yeah you gotta do it you gotta handle it you gotta do the dang thing and he does and then when he casually drops that information like you said i was so sad for that good boy mm-hmm. but also like it's compounded by the fact that he doesn't have any relationships really to replace like obviously you can't replace your parents but you can have friends and neighbors who love you and so many people in your life who you have love with and he's like oh no i never had any of that because i can't touch people <laughs> okay that was sad enough bud but then to hear that you also didn't have parents is like Oh, the final nail in the coffin of this sad boy's sad life. Right, and then I guess to kind of put the cherry on top of it all, he actually longs for those relationships. Uh Uh-huh. He just doesn't get to... It's not a thing where he never had it, so he doesn't really think about it or worry about it too much. It's just part of who he is. No, no, he wishes to, (laughs) to have close relationships. Where he gets to have a girlfriend whose hand he can hold, or, you know, just, like, literally friends any kind of- pat him on the back. Yeah, friend- friendly camaraderie, just physical- a basketball game. Oh my gosh. <laughs> also, can we talk about- um, he's listed on the cast list on Asian Wiki as Manager Gui, but he has oh. a different name. In yeah, it's Gui Banjang. Okay. Can we call him Mr. Detective? Mr. Detective, the coolest, low-key coolest character. Okay. <laughs> we'll call him ten different names. He's got the hardest name, so if you hear us refer to someone and you're not quite sure who it is, it's probably Gui Banjang. Yeah, I love him. He I love him. Is my, he was... Right off the bat, took him 10 seconds to worm his way into my heart. He's my favorite. I would die for him. (laughs) And I feel like he is the character that they could have gotten, not wrong, but they could have gone in such a different direction to be like, he is this, he's from this detective agency. He's like kind of a a nails, a tough love kind of dude. Like he... A little distant. It's hard to be around. Yeah, Yeah. a little distant, emotionally closed off. And they're like, how about the opposite? The opposite of all those things. How about he loves to tease people and he takes his responsibilities in stride and any complaining he does do is all just kind of a good-hearted joke and he is perfectly happy to be here doing this stuff. Wow, okay. (laughs) Why? I love it, but why? I'm going to be so disappointed, just like destroyed disappointed, (laughs) if there isn't... Okay, here's the thing. I do not think that the main character, the female lead, needs a romance. I think she would do great without it. The chemistry between her and manager Gui... Mm. It's there. It's hard not to ship when yep. you're broken like us and everybody needs to be on a ship. Yep. We put people on ships. We send them out to sea. It's what we do here at Play on K. We don't advocate for <laughs> everyone to be in relationships in real life. But in K-dramas, 
especially when there's very good chemistry, we're gonna go ahead and build some ships. They hinted at almost maybe Volju and um, Kong Bay at the very end of like episode four, and that was out of nowhere for me. Yep, I didn't I was need like, it. No, we have two ships already, guys. <laughs> We don't need any, like, crossovers between the ships. Can they just be best friends, please? They seem like they're on the right track for that. Yeah. I'm not against a Nuna romance, but, like, I don't see this at all for them. Mm -mm. It's not a good fit. She's been around for five... And that's the thing, right? If they decide to do this in a different direction, wherein she is the 500-year-old person who for once doesn't pursue the comparatively (laughs) 10-year-old. Even though they're an adult. Um, Just how good would that feel, though, to say, okay, not only are we going to make the ancient being a female, which I think the only other uh, K-drama that has done that is Hotel de Luna that said, okay, well, magic-wielding very old person is not the man. Mm -hmm. Um... And so, also, in this one, not gonna chase after the human man. We're actually gonna give her another man who's also ambiguously aged like she is. Would you rather they be together? Yes! Yes, we would. Literally all I've been asking for is for (laughs) once to not have a 500-year-old marry a 27-year-old. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh, what a healthy relationship. And it figures. (laughs) I just... Why is this the first time this is being presented to us? I don't know. But I'm here for it. I'm here for any firsts. Mm -hmm. Yep. Let's be better, always. I love it. I'm here for it. I love it. I love it. I'm surprised you thought Kang Bei was the main character because I 100% thought Wolju was the main character. Yeah, I mean, they kind of are the two leads. That's just kind of how I saw it. But not like the two leads where we usually refer to them as the leads meant for each other. I just see Mm -hmm. them both as the main character. She definitely more so than he. But the two leads and then everyone else kind of centers around them. Uh Uh-huh. I'm hoping we can grow into four leads, but I don't know if we have time for that because this is an extra short drama with only 12 episodes. Yeah, that was also surprising. Also a first for me. I don't think I've ever watched a drama shorter than this. Yeah. Unless it was like a mini series. Yeah. Oh yeah, I've watched some web series for our Patreon. But a full-fledged drama, 12 episodes, that's pretty rare. Yeah, oh babies. Oh baby drama. No? (laughs) It counts. A three-quarters drama. Very exciting, but I... They're setting up that they're going to get more into manager-detective's background, and I'm really, really excited for that, to see why he is where he is in life, and to see just more about this detective agency. I'm way too into that storyline. Oh my god. I I know that this isn't the bonus episode, or even the last episode, wherein we usually design our spin-offs. But, <laughs> but hear me out. That. What if everything's fine with him, everything goes really well in this drama, he ends up fine, spin-off show, we see him fighting evil spirits 
in his detective agency. I'm going to go out on a limb and say we don't even need him. As much as I love (laughs) him already, totally on board with him being on the show, I'm fine with them just spinning off that idea and being like, here's the detective agency of the afterlife. Like, maybe we could do, like, a rookie detective, you know? Uh He's new to the gig. He is ready to defeat evil spirits. Okay. (laughs) Or she. Oh, okay, stop. Roll the tape back. (laughs) Screech? Okay, what if she is ready to defeat evil spirits? Okay, and this is different then the uncanny counter so don't come at us it's very different (laughs) okay it's it's somehow we'll make it different enough that it's not plagiarism yeah we've got to make it i mean it's our idea it's our idea based off of the idea of mystic pop-up bar that sounds uncannily like uncanny counter (laughs) but don't worry about it (laughs) it's called mystic detective agency I'm ready for it. <laughs> um, and then we have this fourth character. I wrote down her name. I'm not going to look at my notes. We all know who she is. I'm, I love her. I'm on her team. Not very interested in her story very Mm-mm. much. Unless uh, sorry. she becomes the de- rookie detective. Ooh. What if in she, her what afterlife? If she dies? <laughs> let's kill her. <laughs> Let's kill her at the end of this show. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm not for killing off characters, but dang, what a solid ending to this show. I think everybody would be very sad. And then (laughs) to have her be in the spinoff of the Mystic Detective Agency. You thought she was gone. But no, we would never let her skills go to waste. She is obviously a huge badass. She's ready to take down spirits. Let's give her her own show. She was just not enough in the spotlight in Mystic Pop-Up Bar. We needed to give her more. She didn't even come in until episode two. Two? Maybe three? Maybe three. Dang. In 12 episode dramas? You can't waste time (laughs) like that. They've got to be in the first episodes. Maybe that's why we don't care about her backstory. You didn't establish it soon enough. We're busy. We're thinking about other things. They did give us one scene with her at a bar with her friend, and I was like, that's a friendship I'm here for. Yeah, her friend was like, oh, by the way, we're hiring security. I promise not to talk about the fact that you let your former boss down in a big way. <laughs> I mean, I mentioned that. I'm here for it. Per- uh, her friend was there for it. Her friend was like, you're uh-huh. a hero. I was uh-huh. like, she's a hero. But she was disappointed about even having to do the right thing. I I get get it. it. Yeah. Everyone just needs to make money. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I have two of the tiniest little nitpicky things that were a little bit maybe talking points for you and I. Which one of them was episode four at the Battle Royale lottery olympics thing they did such a good job of being like the bad guy is a rich person hello south korea and america we're totally on the same page mm-hmm. eat the rich we're all here for it yes <laughs> rich people are bad 
I love that for us. And then halfway through the episode, they're looking up the records of who has the most good deeds. And they're like, this lady has so many good deeds. She's going to be a billionaire in her next life. Oh, you undid, you undid all the work you did by saying that billionaires in this life are people who were the best people in their last lives. Yeah, freaking prove it. <laughs> I don't believe, I'm sorry, I don't believe it. I've never met a billionaire who's a good person, so. I've never met a billionaire. I, I will say that. To be honest, neither have I. <laughs> but listen, I just don't, I, if we've got, like, a listener that is so invested in the idea that people who are rich aren't kind of just morally trash, then please let me know. But, like, this show even, like you said, they presented it, they were like, he was royalty born into a the episode before that they were like corrupt rich guy tries to hire people to get favors to get more rich i guess i don't know yeah like if you're dealing in politics usually that's the thing mm -hmm. uh you scratch i scratch your back you scratch mine so like you said i'm very much on the same page as a lot of the writers who are like hey what if the bad guy is rich and the good guys aren't, because that's like the also a novel idea for a K drama. So used to, <laughs> so used to one of them being rich, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, this is a breath of fresh air. But like you said, it was a little bit mixed messages. <laughs> I know what is that? <laughs> let her be comfortable in her next life, so she can continue to be a good person who isn't rich. Thank you. Right. It's so tricky because you want to say there's some reward for being good. And I think that has to come in the form of some something in the afterlife. Because to be like, she can be rich in her next life implies that rich people were good in their past lives. To say she could be healthy and like live a long life. You're like, that implies that like children with cancer were evil in their last lives. And right. We're not going to touch on that. It's no. a slippery slope. What it's if? It's a slippery slope. Let's what get if, afterlife rewards. Yeah, her reward was she gets to help her friends who are still living. Because mm. mm -hmm. that was the sweetest moment possible. And that seems like the perfect reward for someone who is so perfectly good and wholesome. To get that to she just keeps helping. Yeah, like she gets to just like hang out with her friend and talk with her and make sure that she's doing great. And that would bring me happiness personally. In the If my afterlife was just like, hey, what's up? I'm in your dreams. Let me make your back feel better. I love you so much. And let me save your grandson's life. Yeah, holy ha. <laughs> That's a storyline I'm interested in. That's a reward I want to get in my afterlife. Yeah. Oh. And if we're doing it, like, in life, like, uh, if you get a reward in your next life or whatever, I still am going to go ahead and maintain that, like, you get to have a comfortable life. Not a rich life, but, like, maybe, like, you have what you need, and, like, you get to spend lots of time with loved ones in your next life. Boom. Done. Rewarded. Done. Man. We were so close to perfection, because that... I'm going to say the at least half of the episode, I was choked up the whole time, like on the verge of tears, just watching them be like, 
that you finally won. You got the lottery numbers, and now your grandson's gonna die. Dang. Okay. Well, <laughs> well played. This is hard episode four. Yeah, this is one of the most emotional fourth episodes I've ever sat through. So, in a way, especially because this is a comedy, like it's so funny. It clearly doesn't take itself overly seriously. It pokes uh-huh. fun. It does like little silly, like sound design that keeps everything really light. And just when things are getting heavy, usually like. Some of that is lifted off by two characters running off, like, making jokes with each- like, trying to have a little tickle fight or something. Uh-huh. Like, hold hands, that's what it was. He, uh, detective- manager detective wanted to hold hands with- <laughs> Oh, yeah. Dequa. So I know that's cute. not his name in this. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's all to say, like, they do such a good job with keeping it light, and so it's so- perfectly jarring when they get you like that when they get you in a really unexpected way where it's like no no look at this man that you've gained so much affection for in 10 minutes after watching him perform it a weird field they track me and his grandson who you didn't think you cared about but you've seen him a little bit here and there over the last four episodes and wow do you like him more than you thought you did Yep, and he's always been a really good friend to Chaboy, so... So does it hurt to know he's gonna die? Yeah, it does. Get out of here. Okay, ow. (laughs) I hate this. (laughs) So good. Um, Yeah, the one other tiny thing. I only have two notes for episode one. First note. Was Oreo cereal? Because they were running through the grocery store and there were Oreo cereals on the racks. Did is that a thing? I saw that too. I have seen the Oreo <laughs> cereal though. I've actually had it, but it was back in like 2001, 2002 when I was but a child, and my mom would sometimes cave and buy us some of the sugariest sugar cereal she didn't always she was a firm believer in the honey bunches of oats which i actually to this day really like Mm. but every once in a while she'd toss in yeah something like oreo cereal and would i think it was awful would i think it was awful if i were to have it today absolutely 100 percent. that sounds so terrible but (laughs) As a kid, it was my jam. Maybe I'm just seven and a half months pregnant because I was like, that sounds amazing. I want <laughs> that with all of my heart. Uh, we've got to find a box of Oreo cereal for you. Because uh-huh. it totally, yeah, that 100%. I was just surprised that it was like, oh, I haven't seen that since in like 20 years. Holy I don't cow. Think I've ever seen it. I didn't think it was like a new invention, but. I don't remember ever seeing it, and man, did I want it with all of my heart. You know, it's actually just a little, like, sidebar right here. It's sobering to think about how very cognizant I was two decades ago. Like, <laughs> oh, no. two decades and enough years to remember two decades ago. Dang. Yep. Ow. You're old now. That's yep. the sign. That's it. What's up? <laughs> um... Note two for episode one, 
was why have an episode entirely dedicated to sexual harassment and then end it when with the main the two leads running at each other on the bridge and one being like I'll do anything to get you to fix this this thing that I have he called it a temperament but I think it was like take away my powers and she was like anything you say I'll take your body and I was like, oh my god, you guys. <laughs> Way to end not strong. And then episode number two, after dealing with sexual harassment in the workplace, they followed up that with her going into his place of work and implying that he was going to be a sex worker, which totally fine if like if that were the case. I think it might be a little bit out of line to go to his place of work and imply to all of his current co-workers and employers that his side job is going to be sex work that's up to him yeah he gets to actually be in charge of disclosing if he has a second job what that second job is um and definitely if like you're gonna just present it however you want to like i don't know what the goal was make it a weird situation for him just don't. I know, like, we were so close to something good with episode one. Yeah, episode one was and amazing. Then, and then they followed with a... If a woman does it to a man, it's kind of funny though, right? And you're like, God, oh no. <laughs> no. 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 Never. It's never okay. That's the point. <laughs> what are you doing for the sake of comedy or in the name of comedy? I don't like it. No. You guys are doing bad. Yeah, they did a real bad job with that one. The rest of it, a joy to watch. That whole situation, that just those two, like, three situations, not a joy. Not a- opposite of a joy. <laughs> Take- took my joy from me. <laughs> but, you know, the rest of it, basically a perfect drama. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's hard because I want to say it's nitpicky things. I think that's what I said earlier. But I really want to stand by these these uh, things that we've pointed out and say that they're important. Yeah. I don't know that they are, but in my mind, they are. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say 100%. Those were both near and dear to my heart. Um, both eating the rich and standing up for anyone who has faced any kind of... Uh, Sexual harassment, assault, really important to handle those situations with so much care. (laughs) And they were so close. Yep. And then immediately backtracked, and I don't know why. But how about that first episode? I was really, if we set those things aside to whatever Mm -hmm. extent we are capable of, I was surprised that out the gate they were confronting someone who was experiencing sexual harassment at work. To the point where she almost committed suicide. Yeah. And that was a shock. Uh, This is another one. Once again, I tried to get my boyfriend to watch a K-drama with me, and once again, he (laughs) fell asleep during the first episode. (laughs) So we are 0 for 2. Um, (laughs) So I was... Though, like, sitting there, he's asleep in my lap. I'm watching this K-drama thinking, holy shit, he's missing out. This is pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. 
I think all of the stories they addressed were so much deeper than I thought they would be. I think episode two was the one where somebody's rumor had gotten somebody else killed. And they were like, that's a really deep cut for the main character, Walju. Let's see how she reacts to this. I was like, that's like episode nine stuff. You're getting into her backstory and touching on her soft spots. That's really quick to do something like that. Yeah, we're gonna, it's been 500 years and it's time to make her a better person. Time to (laughs) confront those demons she's been carrying up until she met the good boy with the soft face. What's his name? (laughs) Gee dang it. Kongbei. Yeah, Kongbei. So, yeah, very fast moving, but I don't know. Maybe it's because there are so many storylines happening. We want to see what's going to happen with Manager Detective. We want to see what happened with the freaking prince in the past life with Wolju. Give me more. Give mm-hmm. me all of that. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so. They've done the perfect little teases for backstories. Because I am four episodes in and completely invested. And that doesn't always happen. We don't always get four episodes in and I love every character. Please tell me more. So. Uh-huh. They've done it. Amazing. Amazing. Um, shoot, I was gonna say something. It's gone. Can I say one of my favorite parts in this, and maybe one of my favorite parts in any K-drama, just a very, very good moment, was them spiraling down a staircase into a man's subconscious. Oh my gosh. And how, I think that was episode two. And like you said, or like we said earlier, the found family aspects have just come about so quickly. We're watching the detective hold Kangbei back from the edge every step of the way. So cute. He's a good person and I love him. (laughs) Make them hold hands all the time. I love that for them. And it was so perfectly, like, cute and funny. I love it. Yeah, it was flawless. It was little... It's little things like that. Like the basketball, the pretending to want to hold his hand, the holding him back from the edge. There is this perfect warmth that is setting up the perfect found family. Give us all of it. And then we find out that the detective was Kongbei's father. Oh, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I do not want that to be the case. I Don't make that the case. Yeah, I love found family too much to ruin it with making them real family. Is that ruining yeah. it? Am I ruined? No, I think that's, I mean, maybe we're ruined. I, but I think that's similar <laughs> to how we hate the childhood love trope, where it's like, you can only believe their love story if we show a flashback that they met as children. And you're like, no. We don't care. They don't need to have met as children. Nobody wants that. It's okay to fall in love with someone that you met as an adult. (laughs) Totally believable. Expect it, even. (laughs) It's totally valid to find feelings of kinship and look at someone as a father figure without them actually being blood relatives. You did that episode, too. With the mom who adopted her little baby, her best friend's little baby, 
please don't undermine that by being like, but Kang Bei and the detective, they're related. That's how <laughs> that's how they hit it off so fast. And that's Ooh. how Wolju became Kang Bei's stepmom. <laughs> Is she in love with him? We don't know. <laughs> but it's weird <laughs> now. This just got so convoluted. Are you ready? <laughs> No, don't do that. Please. I'm not ready. Yeah, there's nothing that could make me ready for that. <laughs> um, oh, did you recognize young Wolju? It's kind of a deep cut. Um, I recognized her in that she's in everything, and she's an amazing actress who has done so many roles. Please tell me what she's been in. That we've watched, for sure, for certain, that I know for sure. She might have been in other stuff, but uh, she played the young version. Can you call it a version? She played young female lead from Just Between Lovers. Okay. The one who's trapped in a, a collapsed building. Yes. What? How do some people just be so good at acting at such a young age? Yep. That they can just transform, and they're in everything, and everyone hires them to be young everyone because they're so good. Uh, she's one of those people. We're going to find her for the bonus episode. We will find her list of shows, and we will probably limit it to the ones we've seen so that it's not nine million shows long. But she's been in everything. What a talented actress. I was so worried that she would only be in the first like five to ten minutes or whatever of the first episode and that they would not do as many flashbacks as they've done I'm just so grateful every time she's on screen I love it I something they did very interestingly too is usually you don't see in these dramas where someone lives forever or like a lot of time but they age you don't actually usually see them age after they've died. Yeah. Which is so interesting that they were like, uh, no, she's been through it. She's been in hell for a couple of years. So yeah, she's she's older now. She's not the same. She doesn't look the same. She's different. <laughs> All right. All right. I mean, I'm here for it. I'm fine if she ages. She's lovely. I love her. But like. I don't think she would have been as successful as a bartender if, if she, she looked 15. Yeah, that's fair. That is a fair call out. But yeah, I'm here for it either way because I love the actress who plays Wolju. I watched her in Kill Me, Heal Me. Freaking loved her. She looks exactly the same as back then, except more beautiful somehow. Can we talk about her fashion for just a second? Heck yes, we can talk about her fashion for just a second. Her freaking beautiful modern hanbox with all of their amazing designs. I think the only outfit I didn't like, which is so hard because she was in it for the longest time, was her field day outfit. I was like, that's fine, but I'm not crazy about it. The rest of them... Chef's kiss, perfection. Loved so them. Yep. Oh. Yeah, I love the. Yeah, like you said, it's kind of a modern twist on the Han box, and her clothes look t 
timeless in a different way than Mm -hmm. other fashions that we have seen in especially in shows that are similar where it's a very impeccably dressed female lead that i the two that come to mind are again hotel de luna and then i also think of it's okay to not be okay where it's kind of higher fashion that kind of transcends time Mm -hmm. sometimes it's modern but sometimes it's not but whatever the case it's usually on level 15 out of 10 (laughs) yeah and um very like done up and hers is yeah like very timeless in a way that's so separate from those others that that i would compare it to because it's still quite old but it's I don't know, people walk into her bar and they're not like, why are you dressed like that? Uh-huh. I think that's a fantastic thing about traditional clothing. At least in Japan and Korea, my perception is that it is socially acceptable to wear hanbok or kimonos just kind of on every day. It, that's just what you wear. Like, you can do that? And I don't know, I would love to hear if other countries also similarly have those customs for their traditional clothing. Obviously, we're Americans. We don't have traditional American clothing that Native Americans do. But uh, obviously, not appropriate for white people to wear those. But you see, the fact that you can wear hanbok as everyday clothes and not be seen as standing out very much is so cool to me. And it's amazing that the costume designers for this show picked that look for her. Because like you said, it's so timeless. It's classic. The closest equivalent that uh, we have is sometimes, and it is not an equivalent at all, sometimes when I put my hair in a low ponytail, I look like a founding father. (laughs) What's up? I thought you were just going to say jeans. jeans. I don't know why my mind went there. Our <laughs> closest equivalent to the hanbok is uh, jeans. It's blue jeans. Jeans and a low ponytail. Those are kind <laughs> of our <laughs> our classic American looks. Levi's. They date back to a time that people were alive. <laughs> so. So kind of American clothing. In a nutshell, <laughs> jeans. <laughs> Yikes. Well, this uh, has gone off the rails. <laughs> yeah, what happened? <laughs> Remember how deep and beautiful this show was and how emotionally hard-hitting it was and then our podcast came in to just ruin it, ruin yeah. its reputation? <laughs> yep. What's up? Welcome to Play on K, where we can't talk about literally anything because we are not qualified to talk about literally anything, but boy, do we try. (laughs) Are we supposed to talk about the emotional scarring that these characters have been through, or are we supposed to talk about jeans? (laughs) I know which ones we're going to talk about. If, If given the option, actually, why not both? Why not a little bit of both? Why not try and mix them up and make it a cohesive thing? Okay, I have a question, and it's unrelated to anything. But how... We kind of touched on this. How, in episode three, there was a corrupt CEO running 
kind of maybe the top hotel in Seoul. I wasn't super clear on that. They offered at least the best jobs. And he's only giving jobs to people with connections. I don't understand how that's a sustainable business model. It's a terrible business model. Something that I had the thought of, though, is, is this illegal? Because it just yeah, feels like illegal. bad practice. Mm. I, I feel like it's probably illegal if it has to do with politics. But, like, if... But, I mean, nepotism happens all the time. Yeah, I think it might be illegal when you get something something in exchange. Oh, and also they said it was a public enterprise, right? So Ooh, maybe yeah. it's illegal if it's a public... In- like, if I was a owner of my own small business store, I can hire whoever I want. But if it's a public enterprise, maybe that's where legality... peeks up shows Mm. its little face but just if you're hiring people as dumb as that guy that we saw get hired how does it how do you keep the top hotel yeah how does it remain a good business i don't get it Ugh. yeah well i mean it didn't work out for him but yeah now i'm curious about how good of a job it really is, honestly. Are you sure you want to have this job, bud? Yeah. Hopefully they fire some of the people that were not qualified. I don't know how they're going to deal with that. I just imagine if you're trying to run a scheme like that, you would hire both of them. You would be like, sure, I'll hire the assemblyman's son, but I also need a good employee. And this guy got 100% on the interview and the written test. He's a hotel so, god. So he's going to do two jobs, essentially. He's going to do the job we're going to hire him for and the job we're hiring the assemblyman's son for. Yeah, hire both. Just pay the guy. Never get caught. Y'all, I've figured it out. We've just designed the perfect business scheme. <laughs> get favors and have people do two jobs. It sounds just like corporate America. Yeah. What's up? Uh... What's up? We've cracked the system, and we also know how to never catch people. <laughs> yep. Yikes. Um, I'm really excited for the rest of this. That's all I had to say on this show. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh, I think we covered everything, but I hope that we can, can just watch this forever. Nope, it's only 12 episodes. What? <laughs> it's so short. Have I told all of you how short it is? Because it's freaking us out. Yeah. We um, already had super, super long Mr. Sunshine. We tried to bounce back with regular length the guest. And now here's Mystic Pop-Up Bar being like, here to throw you off again, guys. 12 episodes. Here we go. Yeah, I... Get it together. Get Clean it up, Mystic Pop-Up Bar. <laughs> no, wait, clean it up, play on K. I don't know. But yeah, I think it's just really jarring because I'm so excited about this new show and it's, I'm used to like, like when we got excited about watching Mr. Sunshine and then we also got to be excited about how long we got to watch Mr. Sunshine for. I feel like this one's going to fly by. Yeah, which is going to be sad because it's already so good. Yeah. You can't make me cry in episode four and then just be gone by episode two. 13. It's unethical. <laughs> oh, 
if you have opinions on this show that you want to share with us, if you've seen it or if you're starting to watch it with us, email us at plankpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we also have, uh, we're on a couple social media sites. So if you want to give us a hey there, we're at plankpodcast on Instagram and at plankk on Twitter. We love to hear from you there. Yeah, you can leave comments directly on our episodes on our website, playonk.com, where you can also sign up for our newsletter, find our affiliate links, NordVPN and Blueberry Podcast Hosting, and a link to our Patreon. Yeah, our direct Patreon link is patreon.com slash playonk, and if you go there, um, we have... A couple tiers and then a bunch of bonus stuff for some of our tiers. So check it out. Yeah. And finally, if you leave us a rating and review wherever you're listening to us, whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on, it helps the podcast so much because we can maybe get rankings or be recommended to other people looking for K-drama podcasts. So if you do that for us, let us know. We'll keep an eye out for it, but we will absolutely... We would love to give you a shout out on the podcast because it helps us get famous. I don't know. <laughs> Are we looking to get famous? Is that our goal? At this point, I don't even remember. I think we're just talking about <laughs> K-dramas. I think it's just been four years of us just like talking and I'm here for it. But if more people <laughs> want to join the conversation, that helps. That's true. Yeah. Please rate and review. Yeah, um, is that everything? Did we do it all? Mm-hmm. We did it all. We did it all. Uh, then next week we're doing episodes five through eight of Mystic Pop-Up Bar. Join us for that. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.